Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, dark mode time, dark mode time, does that sound dark enough for you? Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a... On a, on a pleasant, to this point, uh, Thursday afternoon here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee. It was a little rainy this morning. It might be a little rainy later today. Right now, it's pleasant. A little bit earlier than we normally come to you on a Thursday, or at least at the time we're recording this. It's a little earlier than we normally do, just after the, the noon hour. So we almost had mayhem in the a.m. But it's not just me on this podcast. It's a big week for Tennessee. Big week for the Vols to potentially gain some momentum and here to talk with uh, with us about that is by far the most emotive member of our staff. Uh, let's go down to the uh, Blount County Satellite Office of Go Vols 24-7 down there in Merville and bring on Grant Ramey. Grant, what's up? I wore a green shirt. I should have planned this better. I should have gone black blacked out in honor of the, the theme of the week. That's true. I'm wearing black, although I do a lot of days because it's just easier that way. Because you're always in dark mode. That's true. I'm always in dark mode. You know who else is in dark mode this week, Grant? Tennessee football, by chance? You got it. Vols are in black this week, Grant. We knew that was coming at some point, but to still see this happening, I mean, that's a little bit... I don't know. To me, it's still like... It's kind of a little bit... A little bit jarring, isn't it? I mean, you know, you, you thought the Smoky Grays were something for a while, and... You know, you, you kind of got used to those being an alternate. Then the new staff comes in a couple staffs, you know, ago, and then they're they're not there anymore. And now it's back in black, which is what the players wanted. So I'm all for it, but it's definitely kind of jarring, isn't it? It's very jarring. Um, I have a lot of opinions on uniforms for some reason. It's, it's the only thing in life that I opinionate on. I I, I love uniform opinions. I'm I'm all about it. I hated the 2013 Smoky Grays because I hate. I dislike Adidas uniforms, I should say. Um, I did not like that uniform, and it looked awful with the plain white helmet, the plain normal Tennessee helmet. So there's a lot of complaints about this helmet and how it doesn't really match the uniform, but at least they went with the black face mask, and at least they did some outlining uh, on the helmet stripe and on the power tee. So it does match a little bit. But, I mean, you get, I give Nike the benefit of the doubt a lot more than I give – Adidas, the benefit of the doubt? Yeah, you're a, fan, Nike, you're a fanboy. You're a fanboy. You, you definitely have drawn your line in the sand. Correct. Nike absolutely killed the smoky gray look with the helmet and all that stuff. But we are, we are living in a different world right now where the supply chain logistics and all that stuff, it's, it's not easy to get helmets right now. It's, you can't really do a ton of the custom stuff that you'd really want to do uh, if, you, if you were living in a normal world. So all things considered, 
It looks like a good look, uh, but to quote Patrick Brown, let's see what it looks like on the grass. M- maybe it's weird for a noon kickoff, but also I don't I don't know if I want to wear them against Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss at a 7.30 kickoff. It would look more natural, obviously, for a night game and, and be a much cooler effect. But you also don't want to wear them and lose, and it's going to be a lot harder to win that Ole Miss game than, in theory, it should be to win this South Carolina game. And you have a really good chance to, to build some momentum off what they did last week, and, and now they got a, a little bit of a, a boost from the uniforms, I guess, a little bit of a morale boost on top of what they established at Missouri. So it's, it's going to be a, a fun look, fun timing. Uh, should be interesting. Yeah, do you think uh, you'll see some sort of a WWE move where South Carolina running backs coach Montario Hardesty comes out in his, <laughs> in his old black uh, black Tennessee jersey, does, can, a, does a spin move into the end zone for a touchdown? I, I can still see that spin move in my head. That that night was something else. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Although, I, I'll be honest, and Grant brought up a good point here. The supply chain – Right now, my brother works in logistics, uh, so I can tell you this too. It's a nightmare for just about anything you want. And heads up, anyone, uh, Christmas stuff, uh, order it now uh, to make sure that you have a chance of getting it because uh, there's there's just so many things that are having a hard time being delivered and being produced and manufactured and, and processed right now. But we have someone who uh, is a member of GoVoss 24-7, is on our board, and I believe works in Georgia for a company that does some helmet stuff. And he said coaches have been, like from Louisiana and places out west, have been calling their plant in Georgia trying to get trying to get any kind of helmet they can. And that some high schools around the country are getting whatever color helmet is there, even if it doesn't match their schools, because they, that's how much how difficult it is right now to get helmets. So even though Tennessee's a Nike elite school, uh, this was done, I, I believe the decision for this was made around March or, or so, if I'm if my timelines are correct. And, and that did not give Nike enough time to make sure that it, or, or the not just Nike, but I mean like all their helmet companies, you know, the the Vichys, the Riddell, the, you know, because all the guys wear different ones, but they couldn't get enough of them to get the all black matte helmets that they wanted for this. So what they did was they took the regular white helmets, which they had in abundance, and they just did some some bordering on it and some some trim and some some little bells and whistles. And I'll be honest, I, I still don't love the fact that it's the white helmet with that, but it's better. Uh, and and the, the bottom line is this is something the players wanted to do last season. Jeremy Pruitt approved it. He thought it was for the, for the good cause because you remember they wanted to take these black jerseys and then they wanted to auction them off, and they wanted to give them to local charities, uh, the, the proceeds from that auction. They were not able to get them done in time because if you think this year's supply chain is a problem, imagine last year's. It was just you couldn't get a lot of things. So unless it was like food, you had a hard time getting it. And, and, and so – and even some foods became really hard to get. Remember, I remember for a while like chicken was just crazy expensive and, and random things like that. So, which our our old coworker Beef Parker, Danny Parker, would would not like having to pay more for his chicken, but you look at it and I think they've done the players a good thing here. This is what the players wanted. The program is about the players, and I think Tennessee's got one of those uniforms. It's like Penn State. It's like Alabama. You just know what you're looking at. So I think for most of the season. You need to stay true to that. You know, you don't have to be as inflexible as Bama and Penn State and places in USC and places like that. So maybe once a year, I say, let the players do what they want. If they want black, if, if they want smoky gray, if they want pink and yellow, whatever they want. If they want it once a year, 
let them wear it once a year. In fact, some of these kids uh, are really good. I remember Jalen Johnson from the Tennessee basketball team, uh, and there's some guys on this football team now, really good artists, guys who can draw things. You know, they grew up watching, you know, a lot of the like animation shows and stuff, and, and they can draw this stuff. Uh, let them design one. See if you can get it to Nike in time. See if you can have a player committee. I don't care. Just just once a year, let them do whatever they want. I mean, I think that's fair. Let's be honest. We're a generation, and I assume this generation that's currently in college right now that grew up creating our own uniforms yes. on NCAA football yes. and on Madden. And, and what uniform did you always make? Head to toe in black. It was the coolest. Yeah, it was. It looked the coolest. Any, any, any given Sunday, the Sharks, head to toe black, the coolest uniform in that whole movie. Uh, I mean, one of the most important thing, I think, to bold italics underline from Heupel's press conference on Thursday when he was talking about uniforms is he said the, this first rendition. Yes. This is something that's going to happen every year. And they could go back to the smoky gray. Or they, they're going to put their own spin on it. They're going to figure out what they want to do. But it's something that's going to be here. I mean, the tra- traditionalists aren't going to like it. They like the orange and white. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt was a traditionalist. He didn't want the smoky gray uniform. He did the orange and white. Fulmer didn't want um, it either, yeah. Right. So, I mean, they're going to do it. It's just a matter of what it looks like. And, and if they perform in it, they perform in it. If they don't, maybe they go away from it. I mean, Tennessee basketball had a gray uniform. Uh, they wore it last against South Carolina at home like five years ago and got killed. And Rick Barnes said, we're not wearing those uniforms again because we played like crap in them. They were too much worried about what they were wearing and not enough about playing or whatever. If that happens, maybe it changes. But this is here to stay under Highball because they want that kind of recruiting advantage. They want those videos that shows the players freaking out over. I mean, they want all this stuff. Yeah, and I think that that's important to note. I've heard that the smoky gray is coming back for sure. So I think maybe some of the dark mode in the future might be more based on smoky gray. It might be smoky gray and black at the same time. There's different options that – um, that are out there, and, and I honestly don't have a problem with it. I, I think a lot of people do, and that's fine. I, you know, it's it's. Listen, if if you're used to seeing something your entire life, like I'm used to seeing the Cubs basically wear what they wear my entire life, um, and, and that's if if they came out wearing like cardinal red, I might be like, what in the hell is this? You know, I mean, so so I understand that there's a little bit of a little bit of pride there. Uh, and I think it's important. Hypo walked a fine line there. He said their players love that they're their regular uniform, that they're proud to wear it, but that if you're just doing this like once a year or so, I don't see a problem with it. I think it helps recruiting, one. Uh, I think it helps uh, the morale of the team because they know the coach has their back, and this is supposed to be about the kids, right? Isn't that what this is supposed to be about? It's supposed to be about them, and this is what they want to do. And then thirdly, which is a really nice fringe benefit, uh, Nike can sell these, and Tennessee can make money off of them. So – you know, you're already seeing fans buying them. People that are not places that are not affiliated with Nike or Tennessee are making these sort of black shirts with orange on them, and people are buying them off the I would say off the shelves, but off the e shelves, I guess you could say, off the warehouse shelves. And, and so I, I think it's it's something that kind of that rising tide that lifts all boats. I, I think it's mostly a good thing. And I, you know, if Tennessee goes out there, I, I admittedly I think they'd be cooler in a night game. <laughs> you know, I don't know why you necessarily you're doing this at at you know, like, uh, I mean, you can't do it against Vandy, obviously, because uh, you're not going to wear black against Vandy. Um, but, you know, you're playing other home games. You know, you can maybe wear the black then. I mean, later in the year, if you get a night game for any of them, or later in the game, if you get a 3.30 or 4 o'clock game, it'll end at night anyway. But, you know, hey, they're wearing them now. This is what the players wanted. Let them have it, and we'll see how they play in it, right? I mean, yeah, it's it's the here and now. I mean, this is just, this is life. If, if you 
if you're a Nike school, if you're if you're a, in a professional sport that's sponsored, the apparel sponsor is Nike. I mean, the Cubs wore a navy blue jersey head to toe yep. that said Wrigleyville across the chest, mm-hmm. and the San Francisco Giants have city edition uniforms, and the Chicago White Sox on Thursday football, uh, Thursday night football tonight. Even the National Football League that is as crazy about its uniforms and everybody meeting the standard and all these crazy rules yeah, I mean, they have approved like a year or two in advance right right and you can only have one helmet shell that's going to change and there's going to be a i mean nike just watch tonight the clc hawks are going to be head to toe in that highlighter green the crazy uniform i mean they're going to have different looks because people like making money and the players like the different looks so i mean that's just kind of what it is you mentioned a shortage on food you want to know the most random shortage of food right now yes lunchables really Yes. If you have a small child, you probably know what I'm talking about. I've, I've gone to the grocery store like the last four weeks and there's nothing on the shelves and I'm sending pictures to my wife. I'm like, man, there must be a run on Lunchables right now. And I'm like kind of joking because I didn't expect Lunchables to be the thing that they couldn't keep stock. But I saw some story in the news about how there's like twice the demand since the pandemic for Lunchables. So. Make, well, make of that what you will. I've also seen Grant Ramey wolf down a few Lunchables at like oh, it's the at, best at, at, at like uh, gas stations at one thirty a.m. in the middle of Mississippi, trying to get back to the hotel room that night. It's the best gas station snack ever, hey. ever. What else are you getting there? Pork rinds? No, thank you. Yeah, give me ham, cheese, crackers, and a Red Bull, and I can haul it back to Birmingham. There you go, and that's what we have to do. That's a big part of our of our professional lives. It used to be anyway. Now it's, you know, because of the pandemic, we're taking one person on road trips. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be like for basketball. There might be a lot of times where you're going solo. I would like to go, uh, but, you know, we don't know what the situation is going to be like because it depends on rules. It depends on, you know, what the access is going to be like. It's a different world out there now. And in terms of getting stuff, you know, I think we're fortunate at Tennessee this year for stuff in Knoxville to still be able to get guys in person. Now, albeit from a distance. But we can still be in the same room as guys. Uh, there's places in the country right now where you still can't de- even do that. So uh, I'm not complaining at all. We're, we're, what we're getting, I appreciate Tennessee doing what they're doing um, but because it helps us do our jobs better. But it's the fact of the world we live in now. It's interesting. But what's only going to matter to people, Grant, is how Tennessee, or to most people anyway, how Tennessee performs in these jerseys. And I also think it's interesting they're doing this against a school that also wears a, a lot of black. I assume Carolina will not be in black, probably more white and garnet or, or, or all white probably in this game. But uh, it's interesting because this is an opportunity for Tennessee to go out there and keep some momentum. You know, we, we talked about for, for so long, Grant, the narrative has been you know, can what can Tennessee do to get going? What can Tennessee do to overcome adversity, to get out of this rut? Well, last week, Tennessee got out of a rut in a pretty big way. I mean, 62 points in a game, and it probably could have been 80 if they really wanted to do that. Uh, that that's, that's a lot. I don't care who you're playing. Mizzou is not good. Its defense is terrible. It does have SEC athletes. Uh, it, it does have some some good players. Now, it did have three players from that defense last year that went to the NFL. <laughs> and apparently I, I'm convinced now that uh, Nick Nick Bolton is like one of the most underrated SEC players of all time because him leaving that Missouri defense, uh, it it broke all hell loose for that group. Uh, they're, 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 you know, Mizzou is running a, th- you know, going from a 4-2-5 to a 3-3-5, but the middle linebacker is really just a defensive lineman who gets a running start into the line of scrimmage on every snap. Uh, which 
which did not work because Tennessee gashed it. It's like, uh, what, what did Cade May say? Uh, you know, we, we saw that we, we didn't expect what they were doing those first few possessions, but then, uh, after a couple of those possessions, I thought they're probably not going to do this anymore. And so Tennessee got out of the rut. Now it's what Tennessee can do with it. Can Tennessee sustain momentum? Because this is an opportunity to do that. Yeah. And I mean, really it couldn't have come at a more perfect time. I mean, Going back to last week, I don't I don't know if you'll ever see that again. I mean, that Missouri defense, it looks like they just weren't on the field. Yeah. It's like they're I mean, Tennessee Tech put up more of a fight against this Tennessee offense than it looked like that Missouri defense did. So that's obviously not a realistic expectation to think about week in and week out, but you need that kind of performance if you can get it to get some confidence, to build some momentum. And it just happens you're going into a home game after two straight road games, you're going into a home game against one of the worst teams in the league albeit their defensive numbers are drastically better than anything Missouri puts up. But it's a first-year head coach. It's a South Carolina program you've had success the last couple of years against. Um, it's, a, it's a program that's in a similar situation to you in terms of trying to rebuild. Now you need to go in, and you're not going to run for 458 on the ground every week. That's a once-in-a-70-years kind of performance. But you need to keep that momentum going. You need to build on that because, A, you're trying to win as many games as you can right now, and if you're going to meet that ceiling – you have to beat the South Carolinas of the world. And, you know, secondly, Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss are coming into Knoxville, you know, a week from Saturday. That's a game where you're going to have to score a bunch of points to keep up, uh, and you would, you would assume. Uh, they're they're going to look a lot more like what they have been in the past and, and not what they looked like against Alabama. So you're going to need that offense in two weeks, and you're obviously going to need that offense to show up again, at least some version of itself. You're not going to have that much success as you did against Missouri, but you got to keep this rolling because you have an opportunity right here to build a little bit of momentum and, and to find some building blocks. And there's a lot more to talk about this game, and, and we're going to do that. First off, we're going to go to break here, pay some bills, listen to products, ad services, uh, other you know, in-house ads, other fun things. Come back in just a moment, and, and then we're going to discuss some more of the intricacies about this game because this is a really interesting matchup for a lot of reasons because when you look at this South Carolina team statistically – some things just don't add up. Uh, it's kind of surprising in some ways. So there's a lot to digest, a lot to go through. Uh, we're going to step away really quickly and then do that. Come back in just a second, guys, and we're going to talk more Vols Gamecocks here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Grant Ramey coming to you from the Blunt County Satellite Office of Go Vols 24-7 down in Merville. Talking Tennessee, South Carolina. We spent a lot of the first edition talking, or first segment of this edition, talking some, some uniform stuff because, hey, that, that's big news. Anytime you see Tennessee coming out in not orange or not white, it is news, whether people want it to be or not. It is news. Uh, Tennessee fans care very, very much about the uniform. That's a discussion that's had year-round. I remember discussions that still exist to this day on how wide the helmet stripe should be. Uh, There are still narrow people and and still thick people. I imagine Grant's on Team Thick for that because Grant's usually on Team Thick. But it's always a discussion, so there's plenty that we had to talk about there. But now let's let's talk about the Tennessee-South Carolina game, and we're going to do that here in just a second. Quick reminder before we do that, guys, please take about 90 seconds out of your day right now and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. Please do that. If you're just listening on the website, we love you. There's nothing wrong with that. That's still a fine way to do it. Uh, Like Ron Swanson with alcohol, there's no wrong way to consume the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. However, one thing that helps us the most is if you go in there and subscribe, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, anywhere in the world, you can cast the fine pod, any app, you can find the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We're on all the major ones. So please go in there. Please hit that subscribe button. Please rate and write a review. It'll take you about 90 seconds. And for, for the hours and hours of free content that we've given over the years, I don't think that's too much to ask. So please, please, please go do that. Helps us a lot. Helps us add wolves to the wolf pack, as we've been doing in the several years that we have been doing this. Grant, Tennessee hosts South Carolina at noon Eastern on Saturday, a game that will be broadcast by ESPN2. I know I said SEC Network earlier in the week. That is my bad. It is ESPN2, so mea culpa on that one. But this is an opportunity for Tennessee to move forward, to get momentum, to keep momentum. And it also helps Tennessee put some some dubs in the bank, which is going to matter if you're trying to get to six to make sure you get to a bowl game. Quick refresher here. Tennessee wins this game. Then Tennessee just needs to beat South Alabama and Vanderbilt, and Tennessee is going bowling. And unless Tennessee, for some reason, tries to you know self-impose a penalty that says no bowl, unless something like that happens, Tennessee wins this game. It's just got to win South Alabama and Vandy, and it goes bowling, which is why that pit game was so big. It's why last week was so big, and it's why this week is so big. There were some real toss-ups in the first half of the season that we're really going to decide where this thing goes. Because if Tennessee loses this game, then Tennessee's got to beat South Alabama and Vandy, plus it's got to steal one from either Ole Miss or Kentucky. And, you know, those are – I still think the way Ole Miss plays defense, that's at least an interesting game. And and the way Kentucky plays, Kentucky is a very physical team, a very tough team. It wins a lot of close games, but it does not score a lot of points usually. So Tennessee scores a bunch of points, which could put Kentucky in some some threat in that game. Plus, it's Tennessee-Kentucky, historically speaking, last year excluded. We know how a lot of those games go. So it's kind of like Tennessee-Florida, but on steroids in some ways. So you never really know what's going to happen. But this one right here matters quite a bit. 
you think they'll miss as a winnable game? I think it's a game that you could take it into the fourth quarter and make it interesting for sure. That's because, because Ole Miss that, can't stop because Ole Miss does not play defense really that well. So I think that's to me that's at least interesting. That's fine. Dismissive. I was just setting, I was just setting you up for that. Dismissive. I do it. He, Grant's dismissive. He's got opinions. Listen, he's, he's laughing for, a little bit. I don't understand what's happening. And for the sake of my pride, Grant Ramey's pride, if you want me to talk in third person, I really needed that pit game because uh, I, I was the idiot who picked seven and five for the in the preseason predictions. I was the 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 homer that was out there on the limb. Um, and, and if they win that game, you're sitting here trying to beat South Carolina to go five and one through the first six games, and yeah. You're thinking, man, Tennessee's got something cooking here. Maybe they made a ride higher, but but you, you threw that game away. But still, Tennessee could beat South Carolina and go to four and two. And you're absolutely right. If you can take care of the South Carolinas of the world, you can take care of the Vanderbilts of the world, you can take care of the South Alabamas of the world. You're sitting there at six wins at the end of the year if you don't surprise anybody else and you can't find another upset uh, along the way. And that's a pretty positive step forward in the first uh, first year of this program under Josh Heupel. I mean. Kentucky, I think, I agree, they're, they're very difficult to figure out because they beat Florida. Uh, they come back from a deficit to beat Florida the way they did. Uh, some big plays, the, the field goal, block field goal return for a touchdown. Seems like a ton of momentum. They're 5-0 and right now, I think, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. But they also only beat Missouri 35-28 at home, and it came down to basically Missouri's final possession, having to get a stop there to, to stop Missouri from going down the field and trying to tie the game. And they only beat this South Carolina team, I believe, 16-10, to if I'm not mistaken. Sounds about um, right. So that I mean that makes Kentucky really hard to figure out, and obviously you've got to go to Kentucky, and that's gonna that's gonna up the degree of difficulty a little bit going on the road and trying to trying to find a win there. Um, but this South Carolina, it makes this South Carolina team just as difficult to figure out. I mean, are they the team that that got rolled out of the building by Georgia, forty to whatever that was? Or are they a team that's tough enough to play Kentucky down to the wire? Um, are they a team? That, I mean, they only give up 17, 16, 17 points a game, something like that. They want to get down, kind of get you down the mud with them and slow everybody down. Um, but it, it's hard to figure out this South Carolina team, but it's a team that Tennessee's got to take care of. I mean, they were, uh, what, a 10-and-a-half-point favorite to start the week in, in Vegas. I mean, that's, if that's what Vegas thinks of you as a home favorite, this is a team you got to beat. This is a team you got to keep that momentum going against if you're going to get to that six win, whatever that number is at the end of the season. Yeah, because right now th- this South Carolina team, it- it's coached obviously by former Tennessee grad assistant Shane Beamer, a guy who spent three years – uh, in Knoxville, uh, you know, when Philip Fulmer was the coach and a guy who is is very popular with some people who knew the program at that time and were on the program at that time. A lot of people thought very highly of Shane Beamer and thought he had a thought he was going to be a future head coach at some point. I don't know if anyone thought it would be this relatively soon in his career, but the opportunity at South Carolina came along. He could not say no to it. I do not blame him for that. Uh, but he, he took over a tough situation. And, and right now, South Carolina's offensive numbers – here, here's the, the biggest thing to know. South Carolina has not scored more than one offensive touchdown against an FBS team in a game this season, which is remarkable. Uh, that, that, that should tell you a lot of what you need to know about where this team has been offensively. Um, but here's some of the numbers right now. And this is, I mean, you know, things could change later in the season. You know, we never know. But right now, South Carolina is 115th nationally in total offense. 103rd nationally in scoring offense, and that's despite a lot of defensive scores that count for that. 103rd nationally in rushing offense, 89th nationally in passing offense, 99th nationally in third down conversion rate, and 104th nationally in red zone touchdown percentage. So this is a, statistically speaking, 
terrible offense. The caveat there is that Luke Doty, uh, the talented young quarterback, dual threat guy, just came back, I believe, like a week and a half ago or so, a couple weeks ago. And things have started to look a little better with him running the show. They, they threw for a pretty good number of yards last week. Still didn't get in the end zone, though. Uh, so, so this is an interesting, you know, South Carolina, I think right now has a couple of backs on its roster right now who have a pretty decent chance of playing in the National Football League. I think they've got a couple of good running backs there. Um, but they're just not doing a lot offensively. And if you want to beat Tennessee, you're going to have to score points. Because I think now, and, and I might be wrong about this, Grant. We'll see against like the Alabamas and Georgias of the world. Things might be totally different then. But Tennessee left a lot of points on the field in Gainesville. Left a lot of points on that field with some of the some of the the missed opportunities, overthrows, drops. Um, you know, going for it, not kicking it. You know, in, in, in fourth down situations, just penalties in bad spots, like on third and short and things like that. Tennessee left a pretty good number of points on the field. I don't know if Tennessee wins that game anyway, but Tennessee left a lot of points on the field. And other than that, Tennessee has scored points. This offense, I think, is going to score points because it's, you know, despite the depth issues, pretty good up front, decent, decent anyway. Let's let's call it decent. Um, you know, need to stay healthy there. Uh, quarterback situation, when, when the games are close or Tennessee's in the lead and Hendon Hooker has the ability to run as part of his arsenal, he's a really dangerous runner and thrower when the possibility of him running exists. He's got playmakers at wide receiver. I mean, last week they didn't even throw the ball to Callaway and Hyatt, and they scored 62 points. Uh, they got a couple of, you know, two, two and a half at least solid running backs. Uh, they're going to put points on the board, so South Carolina is going to have to score points to be in this game. They are, and honestly, in the preseason, if you sat here and told me the first week of October, you read all those rankings for South Carolina's offense, 9th, 99th, 103rd, all that stuff. If you would have told me then that those numbers applied to Tennessee's defense, I would have believed it because I expected nothing out of this Tennessee defense. I had, uh, you know, I didn't know what they were going to do in terms of depth, in terms of talent, all the stuff they had to do up front to help the front seven after the, the number of losses they had there in the offseason. And for them to be as impressive as they've been to this point, um, against a South Carolina offense that ranks where it does, the, the numbers that you went down the list on. They're also, I believe they're 13th out of 14 teams in the SEC in tackles for loss allowed. They've allowed 32 tackles for loss, and not all tackles for loss are created the same, but that can go a long way towards stalling a drive. And when you're a Tennessee offense that wants to move as fast as it wants to move, wants to put up as many points as it does wants to put up, if you can go down and score a touchdown as quickly as you did to start the Missouri game and then just as quickly get a stop and get the ball back, it's, it's easy to suck the life out of an opponent if you can put a couple quick touchdowns on the board or if you can score points quickly and, and build a little bit of a cushion, especially if you're a home team. You saw how quickly Tennessee was able to do that uh, on the road. So, and, and you look at South Carolina's defense, they don't give up a ton of points per game. Uh, they're pretty good against the pass, but I think their weakest – um, area is the rush defense. I think they're ninth in the SEC or something like that. And you look at Tennessee, as much as people want to make it about the pass game and how quickly they move and all that stuff, really they, they're based on the run and how much success they can have on the ground. And it rarely gets talked about. So I think if you can create some success on the ground early and if you can get some tackles for loss, which South Carolina is prone to give up, you can put pressure on that South Carolina offense to try to keep up. And they have not kept up. Well, I guess we haven't really seen a ton of games where they've had to keep up. The Georgia scored a ton of points. Obviously, you're not going to score a ton of points on Georgia. Yeah. Nobody is. 
but you're going to have to, like you said, yeah, you're going to have to put the pressure on them to try to meet your pace, not try to, you know, not the other way around. They cannot set the pace. They cannot set the tempo in this game. Tennessee's going to have to dictate how fast they're moving and how, how many points they're putting up. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of different ways to, to scheme offense. And, you know, the old school way of offense was, you know, pound, 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 and then go for the jugular, right? You kind of run, 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 set up the play-action pass. You, you make the team tired. You get them con- – you're not confused, but you get them thinking, you know, you'll run plays in the first quarter that you're setting up for the third and fourth quarter. You know, you're, you're just that, – that's how games used to be schemed. It used to be like – you know, warfare basically when they would scheme. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna you know do this and this and then boom, we're gonna hit them with this later. And, and then you've got those kind of death by a thousand cuts sort of triple option offenses that just sort of try to just kind of ground you into submission and just kind of you know they they take a little take a little knife and they just stab you a bunch of times and eventually they bleed you out and that's what they're trying to do. This offense at Tennessee uh, tries to take a chainsaw to your jugular and keep it there for sixty minutes. There is nothing subtle about this offense. They spread the field really wide. They go at one of the fastest tempos in all of college football, maybe the fastest in Power 5 football right now in terms of plays per minute. And they will take shots downfield, and they will try to get guys in space. They will try to leverage you. They do not not mess around with foreplay. They go right for it. They're going for you. And if they get on you early – it can be a tough time to start corralling this offense. And like Grant said, that's where, to me, the start or the first half of this game is so important for, for South Carolina because if Tennessee gets going downhill with this momentum, you know, the, the, the students are there excited because the, the players are wearing these black jerseys, people are fired up, they're coming downhill at you, that's not the kind of game South Carolina wants. Anytime South Carolina wants to stay in a game right now, it probably needs to be in that 24 to 21 range or, or 21 to 17 range. And, and that's South Carolina offensively has got to try to stay on the ball, chew some clock and do some of those things. But what's interesting about that defense is as Grant pointed out, South Carolina's defense, it does get a lot of turnovers. It is, I think uh, one of the top 10 teams nationally, I believe in turnovers forced or turnover margin, that's where South Carolina has used scores and short fields on defense and special teams to win games and to stay in games. That's what the Gamecocks have done. They have scored a few multiple defensive touchdowns this season. They've scored on special teams. They would have scored again on special teams last week if not for a a, a guy dropping a ball when he should have crossed to just run it through the end zone. Uh, they 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 affect games in a lot of ways that sort of challenge teams have to do. They do a lot of those things, like they'll bend, 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 but then come up with a play. You know, they'll hold you to field goals. They will try to force turnovers. They will convert those turnovers immediately into points. They will make plays on special teams. And what's hard for me to figure out is, is that is this team gritty? Is this team a little lucky? Or is it both? Because without those plays... Uh, this South Carolina team is is maybe one and four or something coming into this game, um, but the way it plays, you know, it also could have been four and one coming into this game. So it, it, it is that from what you've seen, Grant, does that seem like luck or does that seem like grit or maybe both? I would I think at this point in the season, you have to say probably a little bit of both, just because you don't know really the identity of a team the first week of October 
I mean, everybody, if you look back at 2020 and the off season, everybody thought Indiana was going to keep this positive momentum moving forward. And they're really building something there. And then there's a lot of people that looked back at 2020 and said, Indiana had a ton of turnover luck. And that's how they had a lot of their success. And that turnover luck is not something that you can count on carrying over to a new year, because that's specific to one moment in time, one season uh, for a program. So I, I don't think through, Six games has it been so far, five games, six games, and playing the non-conference teams early on. I mean, kind of look back at this in December and try to figure out, based on what South Carolina has done at this point, were they gritty or were they just beneficial, benefiting from turnovers. But it, really for Tennessee, you know, for, for the sake of Saturday, it doesn't matter because Tennessee's Achilles heel, when they struggle, is penalties and turnovers and, and drops, mistakes. I mean, that's the Achilles heel for most college football programs. But – for Tennessee, you're trying to figure out, was Missouri a monumental step forward in terms of cutting out penalties and, and holding on to the football and, and not shooting yourself in the foot when you can't afford to shoot yourself in the foot? Or was it just a monumentally bad Missouri defense? I think for Tennessee, you you want to look back at the South Carolina game and think they just benefited from a lot of turnover luck and you were able to hold on to the football and you're able to take care of your own business because you, you know, you did not create your own mistakes you you ran the football you set the tone early you went at your speed you went at your tempo uh and you controlled the game you scored quick points and you kind of you know like you said that that South Carolina offense is going to have to try to keep up points wise and it's going to be hard to do so based on the numbers they put up this so far this season I think it's more up to Tennessee to prove that maybe that's turnover luck that South Carolina has benefited from yeah and and you know Carolina does have some pretty decent depth up front defensively. It was supposed to have a good defensive line, and it has. Say what you will about the previous staff there, but it recruited okay on the defensive line. I mean, and developed okay on the defensive line. They've got some bodies there, and they've got some guys who are pretty solid players there, a couple older guys who have who have been in this league, kind of like Tennessee. Some older guys who have been in this league may not be stars, but they're pretty good players. Uh, and then the surprise has been Carolina secondary, which has been better than a lot of people thought it might be to this point in the season. Um, but what's interesting is, you know, you talk about things like, you know, the, the depth of that defensive line in South Carolina. Uh, that is something that could be a concern for Tennessee because really if this Tennessee offense doesn't hurt itself, really the only way that I can see, and, and you've heard Kirk Herbstreit and other people describe this too, this Josh Heupel system, the only way if it's operating pretty well, smoothly, the only way to slow it down is to just bludgeon it to death on the line of scrimmage. If you destroy that offensive line up front, then none of the bells and whistles, none of the, the spacing, none of that matters because the quarterback is consistently on his backside or hurrying. That is something that the offensive line, if it doesn't execute well in this game, that could be a problem. Uh, but when you hear somebody, someone talk about South Carolina's defensive line depth, I would respond to that and say, yes, I do think that matters, but the way Tennessee's offense plays, it's different kinds of conditioning. Like, can these guys stay on the field that long because they will not be able to make subs until they're, unless there's timeouts, guys getting hurt, or, you know, faking injuries, which happens a lot, or, you know, end of quarter, uh, Tennessee has to get into a third and long and has to bring in a different package. They're going to have to keep that defensive line out there a lot. And, and there's, there's like, it's one good thing to have depth, but it's another, do you have guys who are conditioned to play against that style of football for a few possessions in a game? And, and that is a question that really you don't know the answer to until you play Tennessee, because, and this is what Hypel wants when you play Tennessee, maybe only Ole Miss gives you a certain kind of, 
baseline understanding of how quickly they move. They move faster. They and Ole Miss move faster than any other teams in, in, in Power 5 football. They just do. Uh, the, they run, what, more than like three plays a minute? I mean, that, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. And, and that's including the times where Tennessee has intentionally slowed the tempo a little bit, like at the end of you know, the game against Bowling Green, the end of the game against um, Missouri, where they're doing that thing. I, I guess you maybe call it that little sugar huddle where you're still running tempo, but you're not going to the line of scrimmage until there's like six or seven seconds on the play clock. So you're still running your offense, but you're, you're slowing it down a little bit in terms of time between plays. So what I'm trying to say is we don't know how South Carolina will handle that. And I don't think South Carolina knows how South Carolina will handle that because to my knowledge, East Carolina did a little bit of hurry up against the Gamecocks, but I don't think in the, the teams they've played – you know, Georgia's not going in a hurry. Uh, you know, certainly you know, the, the Eastern Illinois of the world aren't going in a hurry. Troy is not going in a hurry. This is going to be different for them. It is, and I have rushing defense pulled up in front of me, and it's hilarious, and I'll get to the reason why it's hilarious in a minute. But South Carolina's ninth against the run. They give up 141 yards a game. Eighth place is LSU, and they only give up 119 yards a game. So LSU's quite a bit ahead of them, 20 yards less a game. Between ninth and 12th is South Carolina, Texas A&M, Arkansas, Ole Miss. The only difference is like 12 yards total. There's like three, four, five tiers. The top three give up under 100 yards a game. Georgia, Auburn, Mississippi State. Tennessee mm-hmm. only gives up 104 a game. They're fourth in the league. Uh, fourth and eighth is separated by 15 yards. And then Vanderbilt is 13th at 203 yards a game. They give up 50 more than Ole Miss. And then there's on a completely different planet in a completely different solar system, there is Missouri that gives up 308 yards a game. 300, how many? 308. They're 105 behind Vandy. And 150 behind Ole Miss 12th. They're 154 yards behind the 12th place team in the league. So, I mean – my, my whole point of that, the reason I pulled it up for South Carolina, I mean, they give up 140 a game. That's not that far from what Ole Miss does, and their Ole Miss is 12th in, in the league against the run. So I do think Tennessee should have success there. Uh, I do think even though there has been so many you know injuries and issues on Tennessee's offensive line, I do think they've kind of found some rhythm and found some success despite having to shuffle and move some guys around. I mean, they, they ran the ball effectively at Florida despite the fact that you know, Cooper Mays was playing uh, as wounded as he was playing, and then they rolled into Missouri, and they had a ton of success with Ollie Lane. And, you know, the, the guys, even though they're missing the guys like Cooper Mays and they've had injuries and they've had to shuffle, I do feel like they've found a rhythm, and I would expect that uh, to continue just because South Carolina's defense does seem decent, but the weakest part of their defense so far has been the run game, and now they have to deal with this tempo. Yeah, and that's going to be an issue. What's interesting to me, and we can end on this thought, Grant, is that the line opened at various places between like 12 and 12 and a half, right? Uh, maybe 12 at, at, at William Hill, maybe like 12 and a half at Circa, whatever it was. And then it really quickly moved to 10 and a half. Like it, it went from like 12 and a half to 10 and a half within a few hours. And that tells you really quickly that the uh, the good old sharps were throwing a lot of money at the Gamecocks when the line was 12 or 12 and a half. So that to me means that the people who do this professionally for a living, and they're not perfect, but they know more than we do generally. That's why they are who they are. 
they looked at that Tennessee game against Mizzou at Mizzou as an aberration or just something that, you know, would not happen to that extent again because they looked at that line and they looked at South Carolina and they went, no, this is – we're throwing a ton of money because for it to move a couple points in a few hours – that usually throws up some some red flags in Vegas, and they're going, wait, we, we we put that in the wrong spot, and then they move it. So that, to me, indicates that a lot of people expect at least a closer game, maybe not a maybe a one-score game as opposed to a two-score game. I think most people think Tennessee will win because Tennessee uh, – and this goes back to – I mean, Heupel in his career, I believe, is 18-1. and one as a home favorite uh, in his career as a head coach. So, and of course, a lot of that's at UCF when they're supposed to win most of their conference games. So let's, let's grain of salt that, but 18 and one as a home favorite, pretty good. So that, that tells me when his team is the favorite, the way it plays the game, it's kind of like in basketball, right? I I remember Roy Williams used to say this a lot, that if I have better athletes than you and longer athletes than you, I want the game to have as many possessions as possible because that increases the odds that my team will win. So that's why Carolina's defensive numbers weren't always great, but they scored a bunch of points and they were good on the boards and they played quickly and they thought the law of averages dictated that they would win a game that way. So Heupel's offense is kind of almost like a little bit of basketball on grass, a little fast break on grass. And when they are the favorite, when they have the better team, the way they play gives them more possessions and a more that that's what that seems like to me that when they're a favorite and they're supposed to win they do what they do because their system allows it does that make any sense or is that the dumb dumb thing a that 18 and one stat's pretty incredible if it's legit uh, b did you get that from ryan's bookie or what yeah from uh, from 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 ryan gambling addiction 24 7 callahan uh no i i i i uh i i read it somewhere i forget where but yeah that's what i heard i mean yeah the, the crazy thing about Vegas is they can they can hit so many numbers right on the head when you look back at scores and spreads and all that stuff and then there can be a game like Missouri where Missouri is a home three and a half point favorite and Tennessee goes in there and they like you said they could have put 70 on the board if they wanted to they had touchdowns called back they had stuff you know happen and and Tennessee wins that game by you know a million points so um I don't know my only point here uh, the eighteen and one stat A is incredible if that's the case I would take Tennessee that's eighteen and one not against the spread that's eighteen and one Winning the game as a as a home favorite. That's yes. okay. I, I think I would still take Tennessee to cover the spread right here if if I had to, depending on what number uh, I got it at. Especially I think at ten and a half. Uh, but that's that's neither here nor there. The main point is uh, the quote unquote basketball guy is dominating the picks. So yeah. I mean, this is let's just the, take a, This is the worst. I, I am. Let's just take a second to enjoy it. I, I am appreciating what you're doing, the domination there, and I also have to apologize for my performance. This is because I've been right around there chasing the title on our picks thing just m- m- more often than not throughout the years, chasing it at least or right there. I am, I am, this is, I mean, I've had a couple of like, like six and 14 weeks, just like, and last week, by God, Tennessee was one of the ones I got right because I said Tennessee would at least cover. Now I picked Mizzou to win, which everyone, including my mother in law, has given me grief for. But Let's take a second to enjoy that one too. Yeah. Let's take a second. Let's your, take a victory lap there. Your pick wasn't very good, mister. Yes, I'm aware, ma'am. I'm aware. <laughs> it was like you too. It was like A2 Brute. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's like 
I've just been bad, man. Like bad. Listen, so I so maybe you, take any pick that I make this year until proven otherwise and disregard it. Because if you, yes. I have lost, and, and, and it's the same. It's the same damn people every week. It's it's uh, Notre Dame costing me money. Uh, it is Wisconsin and LSU. Those three teams alone have pro- three, are, are torpedoing my picks. Two of those three teams are awful. Wisconsin's awful and LSU's awful. And Notre I, Dame I is kept, like an identity crisis. But I thought they would at least cover in some of these games. I looked at the listen, talent and I thought, man, it's got to happen. Listen, you don't have to apologize because there's probably people out there that just fade you every week and cash a lot of checks because they're fading you. I agree. That would be the smart bet right now, statistically speaking. My God, I have been bad. But what are you going to do, right? So right now, um, now we're not going to give our picks until Friday morning. We don't do that. We are very, we are very uh, determined to do that. We've done that for years. We're like we're like, we're like Kirk Herbstreit on game day. We don't make the pick until yeah. We don't make the pick. Well, actually, he doesn't make a pick at all. But you, you get what I'm saying. We keep it secret. Herb, Herbie Light. Herbie Light. We we we, Herb, we even on other radio shows, other podcasts, other things like that. Q and A's. I don't predict until the first place it comes is 24-7 sports, go Vols 24-7 every week. But um, I think I'm leaning toward Tennessee covering the spread in this game because I, the more I look at it, the more I think even if Tennessee has a kind of come-back-to-earth performance and Carolina does what it does and is feisty and hangs around, eventually I just think Tennessee can put points on the board and I don't know if the Gamecocks can. So that, to me, makes it a, makes it a, a pretty – Pretty, pretty. Uh, not, I want to say easy pick, but you know, one that I'm feeling. Plus, Tyon Evans is a South Carolina boy, and you don't think he wants to put a hurting on the Gamecocks? Think again. Like that guy, you know. I mean, it's like you know the way Bryce Thompson used to always want to play against South Carolina. Albert Hainsworth, you know, would, would go out there and make those those short yardage stops against South Carolina. Some of Tennessee's most exciting players and, and most productive players, uh, you know, Byron Young, another South Carolina guy. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, another South Carolina guy, if he gets a chance to make plays. Uh, Paxton Brooks, the punter, I mean, you know, from Columbia, South Carolina. So Tennessee doesn't have a lot of South Carolina guys on the roster, but they're all important guys. And I, you know, things like that, because I think Gamecocks have one guy from Tennessee, and he's from Memphis. So he probably doesn't have a strong feeling about the Vols one way or the other. I, I wouldn't imagine, you know, being a guy from Memphis right. who goes to South Carolina. You know, it's not like that's the end-all, be-all for you. I might be wrong, but – that to me just seems like I'm leaning toward Tennessee covering in this game. There's there's some chip on the shoulderness for some of these guys, you could say. I mean, when I picked Tennessee last week, I had a confidence rating of about a two. I didn't really know what to expect in that yeah. game, going on the road for the second time as many weeks, and, and the, the number of mistakes they made at Florida. Uh, but seeing them perform the way they did at Missouri makes you think, man, they can gives you a sense of I don't know believing that they can handle their business in some of these games that are winnable like Missouri where they can cut down on the turnovers and they can cut down on the penalties and you add into that the fact that they're, they're, they're at home and they've got an alternate uniform and all the hoopla there uh yeah it's a, it's a very winnable game I think it's a game Tennessee should win if they remain as process oriented as they claim to be um then then correct this is a game they should take care of but we will our process right now is one that is saying that it's time to end the podcast so grant is there anything i i I, god my god i don't know why i ask you this but is there anything else uh, other than gloating about your picks is there anything else you you would like to say before we we get out of here well you you would be wrong about not asking me this week because i've been staring at your clock for the entire podcast a little peek behind the curtain into wes's home office and it's still not been changed since the clocks sprung forward 
and we're like three weeks away or a month away from the clocks uh, falling back. So yeah, you made it. What's C- weird? Congrats. What's weird is this is one of my wife got it. For, I'll be honest with you, Graham. I'm glad you said this. I don't really like this clock, but my wife gave it to me as a gift uh, for, mm. for the office. And because it's supposed to be one of those ones like that you have in radio studios that automatically sets the time. Uh, but it, apparently it thinks I live in a different time zone because when I set it, it goes back to like its default. Maybe it's because Tennessee is one county away from central. And so the location of it is off and it thinks that it's in central time, but it keeps um, being wrong. And it, it was a gift from her. And I, you know, I don't think I'm going to be like, Hey, this thing sucks because she's not going to listen to this podcast anyway. I don't think well, you just said it twice. So you better hope not. I, I think maybe this is your wife getting you a, clock and setting it on central time and telling you it'll just update itself automatically and really she's just trying to get you out the door quicker that is a good point although i am not the the tardy king of our staff there are the gambling addict is the one who is the the tardy king on this staff who's the punctual king that would be grant ramey i believe Thank you. I, I believe you were in two minutes early for this one because in fact i said it i sent the email to you 15 minutes early wanting to see what time you clicked in and i believe it was two minutes before the appointed time so I'm early in all facets of life. Yes, because one time you were one minute late to a teleconference and you acted like you needed to go out there and commit Hari Kari afterward. You were like, you, you were like, you, you were like, is the honorable thing to commit seppuku here? Uh, you know, because I'm going to go Google all those things you just said. Well, go do that and, <laughs> and we'll figure out what they mean. Go do that and we'll hear for hear from you either Saturday or Monday or Thursday. See you, buddy. And that should about do it. That should about wrap us up for this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Grant for joining us. But more importantly, thanks to all y'all for listening. We always say that, but we always mean that. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news on your feed, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 because Zuckerberg and those guys have gotten their product to work again to the extent that it does work. It it works again. So you can go to facebook.com slash govals247 and get tons of stuff there. But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the tap, just that, that goodness, the fresh stuff, the fresh organic Go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internet to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, Lady Vols coverage uh, with Maria Cornelia. She does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all year long. Congrats to Candace Parker, by the way, for getting back to the finals with, uh, with the new team there in Chicago. Lots and lots of good stuff there to discuss. She had a recent interview again about Pat Summit where she got a little emotional. Good stuff. Go check that out. I'm sure Maria has something on that. Also... You get access to our two forums, which will be the Checkerboard and the Summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you can speak about anything that is not political or religious in nature to us and our staff and thousands of Tennessee fans across the world all day, every day, any topic you want, with a couple of caveats, any topic you want. That's what we're there for. We do that better than anybody else. Our staff is there. We are accountable. We will talk to you. We'll have a good time. So go to GoBalls247.com and check that out. You get all of that. Plus, uh, the access to the best, uh, the best database in college sports uh, with everything in there. You know, one-stop shop, all the rosters, everything else, all the history, everything. And a couple dozen fresh content items every day. Podcasts, stories, video, analysis, everything. For less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. 
That's all it costs, guys. That's all it costs. And if you do that, you get access in perpetuity to CBS All Access or to Paramount Plus. I did it again. There's another dollar in the jar. Paramount Plus used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus, the streaming platform uh, of, of CBS Viacom. And I tell you in every podcast, everything that's in there. But the bottom line is that's a 100 plus dollar annual value with just about anything you could ever want to watch. Sports, movies, exclusive stuff, Vols, SEC, NFL, PGA Tour, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League. CONCACAF World Qualifiers, uh, World Cup Qualifiers in other districts, everything that you could want. New movies, exclusive movies, all that. So go to go to GoVols247.com right now and check that out. If nothing else, you should hear from us uh, after the game on Saturday. Not sure exactly when, sometime in the afternoon or evening, uh, most likely. And we will have coverage from the Tennessee-South Carolina game, and then we'll be back on Monday. So until then, guys, uh, just, just be nice to each other, please. There's so much hostility in our world right now, and it's not cool. It is not cool. Try being nice to each other. See how that works. It, it might be better than you think. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.